Lord Jesus, thank you for this beautiful morning, Lord. God, everything from nothing, Lord. We were dust, we were ashes, Lord. But you created us out of nothing. And thank you so much, Lord, because you have the power to create. You have the power to destroy. You have the power to do anything, Lord. And when the Bible says, and God created heaven and earth, and God created man and woman, and God created the animals, and the day became the sixth day, and God rested on the seventh day. We literally believe it, that you can do anything, Lord. Thank you so much, Lord, that um, as we go into your word, I pray that we would be able to understand you better, deeper, and our relationship and our faith in you would grow even as we uh, read through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. I was just thinking, uh, what exactly should I uh, share with all of us this Sunday? And as I was reflecting on what should I really share, what should I really share, there was nothing which was coming to my mind until yesterday night. I've been thinking about this for quite some time. I mean, like since Brother Charles told me about a couple of weeks back that he wanted me to share on Sunday the 28th of this month. But somehow nothing was coming to my mind. And I was thinking, yesterday it was 8 p.m. and I'm still sitting blank. What should I really share? And then, even as I prayed and I asked God, God, uh, give me words. I don't know what to share. And these are the thoughts which uh, God put in my heart that I would like to share with you today. So the topic for today is, uh, it's about faith. Faith the evidence of things not seen. If we see the book of Hebrews, um, chapter 11, verse 1. So Hebrews 11, verse 1 says, Now faith is the assurance In other words, a title deed or confirmation of things hoped for that is divinely guaranteed and the evidence of things not seen. The conviction of their reality, faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. So in other words, what I understand from the Bible as faith is I do not see it Yet I know it is done. And that is faith. All of us have not seen heaven yet. Is there any of us who have seen heaven? We haven't died yet. I mean, of course, there have been some people, you know, few, like, privileged people who have been dead and who have come back to life, who have shared their testimony saying they saw heaven. But personally for me, I have not seen heaven. But how do we still believe 
that there is heaven when we have not yet seen heaven and that's exactly what faith is because jesus has said that there is heaven if i go and prepare a place for you i am going to go and prepare a place for you and in my father's house there are many many mansions if it were not so i would have told you so uh, even as i was sharing last time you know about um, the fact that if jesus can be relied on the same things what he said about his death his resurrection he said that he's going to die and on the third day he's going to rise again from the dead and a couple of weeks back we celebrated easter sunday and good friday and if god has been faithful in fulfilling his promise with regards to the seen things i'm sure he can be trusted even in the unseen things and that's why we believe and that's why we have faith that even though we do not see heaven yet we know that there is heaven for sure because jesus has said and he has promised that when we believe in him when we die we are going to be with him in 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 his father's place forever um i would like to turn your uh, eyes to the definition of title deed you know as we read in that verse faith is the assurance or the title deed or the confirmation and i was just seeing cambridge um, dictionary it says a title deed means a document that states and proves a person's legal right to own a piece of land or a building or a document that states and proves someone's legal right to own a building or a piece of land for example uh, some of us have cars some of us have uh, scooters so if phoebe has got a scooter she how do how do we know that that's a scooter how do you know it's your scooter sorry exactly so she's got something called rc book right which says that that scooty is in her name and it doesn't doesn't belong to anybody else and even if somebody comes and says hey no that scooty is my scooty you know and tells everybody here this phoebe is forging things you know she's telling the wrong things she's fooling you all that scooty is not her scooty but my scooty if i say like that then Uh, you know phoebe is not shattered at all why is she not shattered why because she knows that scooty belongs to her because she's got the title deed to it and it's exactly the same you know we have been sealed you know by the blood of jesus christ you know the day jesus shed the blood on the cross of calvary and the day we accepted jesus as our savior it's a title deed that we belong to him and even if the enemy comes and accuses and says hey no uh, you know this 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 woman or this man belongs to me because this person has sinned jesus shows the enemy the blood of jesus christ and says i pay the price for it 
this man or woman, this boy or girl does not belong to you anymore. But he or she belongs to me. And that's the assurance we have. That's the title deed we have that yes, I belong to Jesus. And how do I know for sure? Because he's given us the title deed by shedding the blood on the cross of Calvary and writing our names in the book of life. Even as we accepted Jesus as our savior. Uh, Let's go to Hebrews chapter 11, um, 6 to 19. I would like you to please uh, pay your attention to verse 13. Because I'll be coming back to that verse uh, in a moment. So you can probably highlight and keep it. Which says, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. Okay? I would like to take you uh, through a journey about many people in the Bible who have lived by faith. Of course, all the people in the Bible have lived by faith. I mean, who have done great things for God. But I'd like to turn your attention to a few people. especially, you know, uh, who have been mentioned in the hall of faith. Hebrews 11 is supposed to be called the hall of faith. Some have not been mentioned, but uh, yeah, I would like to mention them still. So first is Abraham. Abraham is also known as the father of faith. If we look into the life of Abraham... The first calling of God came to Abraham when he was having a land, cattle, living in the land of Haran. And God told Abraham, you know, if you read that verse, um, it is Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. I would like to read it out to you. 1, 2, and 3. It says, now the Lord had said to Abraham, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. If we see the life of Abraham, uh, if, if you see the figure I've put here, uh, this was one of the greatest demonstrations of faith that uh, he uh, brought about in his life. So now, beginning with the journey in which you know, God called him to go to the land of, uh, the land of Canaan. Uh, Now, when God called Abraham, he did not know exactly where he is supposed to go. He was just going by the directions as given by God. Go to this place, go from here, from this. He just told that, okay, I'm going to take you to this land. But he has never been to this land before. He doesn't know what kind of people dwell in the land. He does not know what kind of journey it is going to be. He does not know anything at all. But God says, come, you and your family, and leave everything behind. I'm going to take you. 
practically speaking if god called me i was just thinking what would be my reaction i'm sure i would be taken aback in the sense so much of land suppose i am abraham i would be owning so much of land in that place so much of cattle all business is going so well and all my you know the the land is giving so much of produce and suddenly god tells me leave your land leave everything that means i'm leaving the produce of the land i'm not taking all of my cattle also i'm leaving everything behind and on top of that i do not know where i'm going god has just told me there's a land i do not know how long the journey is going to take i do not know i mean that time there was no mode of transport except walking so they had to go by walking or i mean whatever cattle they had to riding on the cattle so i'm sure i would be apprehensive as to what's going to happen how many days it's going to take like even in today's generation when we go to a particular place suppose it's a new place suppose i go to a new place like africa i have never been to africa i don't know how the people are there i don't know how long the journey is going to take i'll do extensive research before i really go i'll make hundreds of plans about packing and what should i take how many clothes should i wear etc etc imagine moving the whole household to this new land which he has never seen that would have been a very 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 massive decision but abraham knowing the god that he believed in said i don't see him contemplating at all i don't know if he contemplated also but he just said yes lord i'm willing to go amazing 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 the kind of trust that he had in god amazing the kind of faith that he had in god that if god has called god will take care now he starts all the journey and then you know he is on his way and then god makes a promise to abraham and god says you know what i know you are old but i am going to give you a child and i am going to make you the father of nations and your generation shall be blessed and it's going to be much more than the sand of the sea <laughs> again another impossibility because abraham when this promise was made was almost about 90 years of age and sarah was almost 80 years of age so imagine i mean medically speaking we most of us are doctors or in some medical profession or the other by the age of 45 max a woman use, loses her reproductive capability and a man once he starts crossing you know 45 even his reproductive capability starts coming down so in that situation god said i am going to give you a child 
and you're going to be your, your children are going to be as the as a sand on the seashore i mean I, i don't know what abraham went through but personally for me the kind of thought probably would have come is is this god really speaking to me come on i mean i am i am 80 years i mean i am 90 years of age and and my wife is you know 80 years of age maybe it's not really god is speaking to me god can you give me confirmation if it's really you who is speaking to me i would be more like gideon i guess rather than you know abraham but abraham believed of course his wife in 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 along the way had some difficulty in believing and then she said you know maybe god is not really going to give us because it had been so many years past since the time the promise was made and the and the promise was not yet fulfilled almost about you know 10 years had passed so the wife got frustrated sarah got frustrated and said okay fine maybe it's not through me that god is going to give you a child maybe it's through my maid so you know maybe you can ha- have a child through my maid and she compelled abraham and abraham also should not have listened but he listened to his wife and of course we know the consequences but having said all that abraham still believed and then there comes there comes a point of time when you know god sends his messengers to him and those messengers says tell him one year from now sarah is going to con- conceive and that child shall be blessed and his name is going to be called isaac and exactly as the lord had promised that is what happened third test of faith that we see in abraham's life all these things have passed now god has given one and only son to him in his old age and god has done a mighty miracle because god kept his promise then god tells him you know when isaac is couple of years old god tells him abraham i want you to do one thing for me sacrifice your go to this place and sacrifice your only son isaac to me and this time i see the faith of abraham has grown to such an extent that he is even ready to sacrifice probably the time when he was about to uh, have isaac as his son the his faith would have been say 50% now by this time his faith is grown to say about 90% he without any question he is ready to go and do it and then we come to this verse in hebrew which says he knew verse 19 which says that god he he went to sacrifice isaac knowing that god was even able to raise him from the dead such was the faith of abraham i i guess you know it was a, it was kind of sounding contradictory when god said i am going to give you a child 
and the child is born and god had said your generations are going to be blessed and they are going to be like the sand of the seashore but now god is saying sacrifice this only son that you have so now how is abraham going to have generations if god is telling him to sacrifice i don't know if i was in abraham's place i would have said maybe this is the enemy of my soul telling me to sacrifice my only son so that god's promise cannot be fulfilled in my life i don't know but what i can understand from this is abraham exactly knew when god was talking to him he exactly knew because so many things seemed to be contradictory when he heard this word from god it could have been thought in any way but abraham for sure knew that this was god telling him to do to take his only son and sacrifice him and of course we know what happened in that mountain when he was about to sacrifice god said i am very pleased with you and you know i don't want you to sacrifice him so that was a test of faith in fact which abraham went through now let me take you to the life of noah all of us know noah one man who is faithful to god who believes in god who knows exactly what the voice of god is how god speaks he knows that it is god and nobody else no i never saw god per se there was no physical presence of god that he could see and say okay this is god who's telling me to do it but when he was praying god spoke to him and he just knew that that was god speaking to him even if he didn't see him he didn't see his physical presence but he just knew the voice of god and god tells noah noah i am i am really really tired of the people of this world the kind of sick things that they are doing i'm really tired they do not honor me so i have made up my mind now i'm going to wipe out the entire world and only keep you and your family so that i can start a new generation a new world with your family and god god tells noah couple of days from now he doesn't tell the exact date as to when the flood or the rain is going to happen but god tells noah on a sunny day much more sunnier than this you know we see the clouds out there with the sky you know probably was as blue as the sea you know when god told noah you have to build an ark because rain is coming flood is coming and the entire world will be destroyed i'm sure noah would have gone through a lot of thoughts i do not know the thing is no the amazing thing about bible is the bible has recorded the optimum amount of things that is required for us to live our lives it does not give us beyond i mean 
elaborate descriptions about so many things. And I'm so glad for it because that way, you know, I guess it's good that way because when we go through those kind of experiences, we um, ourselves experience and we know, okay, maybe Noah went through this kind of experience which has never been actually recorded in the Bible. So I'm sure Noah would have thought, it's a rain, I mean, it's such a sunny day and God is telling me that it's going to rain. Now if I still, if I start building an ark, I'm sure people are going to think I'm a fool. I'm crazy. But the fact is, Noah had made up his mind. What I can see is a determined mind who is, who is willing to take anything from people. You know, he's made up his mind that let them call me whatever they want to. Let the world make fun of me, but I will obey God. Amazing determination because he knows for sure that this is the voice of God and he knows for sure that God will do it because God is not a man who should lie. He's the one who says and does it. He's not the one who says and does not do it like man. Numbers 23.19 says, no, God is, God is not a man to lie. When he says something, he will do it definitely. So then Noah starts building this ark. And it's not a simple ark. It's not like a small paper boat that we built as children. It's so easy to build, build that paper boat. Just take the paper, five minutes, and it's over. Then we put into the river or water body. And then we watch the boat, you know, floating all over. And we were taught that, okay, fine, as children, you know, this is how the ark of Noah looked like, paper boat. But it was not as simple as that. Probably if you see the dimensions of the ark, I don't know how many BHKs, you know, will be covered. Probably even about a four BHK flat probably would not be enough to fit in that ark. It was so, so huge. And the dimensions were very accurately set forward. God, imagine, you know, Noah knows exactly what God is telling him. God tells him, okay, this is going to be the length. This is going to be the breadth of it. This is going to be the height of it. And these are the things that you need to build inside the ark. And this is going to be a place for you. This is going to be a place for the animals. Build every, uh, every whatever, you know, uh, the separate compartments for each animal, etc., 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 etc. Amazing. Noah was not an architect. He never studied to become, you know, a bachelor in architecture or a master in architecture. He did not have a PhD in architecture. But the accuracy of the things that has been documented in the word of God as to what exactly told as to what exactly was told to Noah is just phenomenal. There you can see the master architect who is the God designing the boat for Noah. Amazing. And then Noah does this. He builds up the ark. Everybody is making fun of him. You know, people come to him and say, Hey, you crazy old man. What are you doing? Noah just tells the truth. He doesn't hide it and say, ah, I'm building an ark for a purpose. That's how the world usually goes, no? If we are asked something about our faith in God, if we are asked something about 
our you know belief and why we do things the way we do will be you know will somehow try to uh, hide something and see you know something but no i just tell told straight hand this is what god has told me to do and that the rain is coming flood is coming and it's going to be bad for the entire world and then these people start making fun of him and say oh this mad man has gone mad you know he's turned out of his nuts all the screws have been lost you know he such a sunny weather and he's telling we have not seen rain for ages that's what they told we have not seen rain for ages and you know this guy is telling that it's going to rain i don't know how many years he waited i'm not a bible scholar i haven't gone into the in depths of how many years that noah really waited i really don't know but seems to me that it was many 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 years to build an ark itself it would have taken so many years so imagine god gives you a promise and says it's going to rain and then that promise gets fulfilled maybe after 6 years 7 years i'm sure you know all of us would be like did god really make that promise to me it's not raining yet you know maybe i'm mistaken etc but noah was determined he just knew that that was god and he just knew what he was doing and then finally the ark is built and the animal species came one by one amazing to see how these animals also came one by one you know pair after pair i mean nothing else can explain except the mighty hand of god who brought the animals also to into the ark and then finally when the door was shut about to get shut you know the rain came and it rained and it rained so many people wanted to go into the ark to be saved but none of them were saved except noah and his family that's how faith was finally rewarded now let's go into the life of job all of us of course know the life of job i i especially chose this figure because there is a great demonstration of faith of job in this figure job a very righteous man he he is a man who who does all his tithings well sometimes probably even gives much more than his tithes he is a man who always performs all the sacrifices which have been mentioned in the word of god according to the law he tried his level best to keep the law even for his children sometimes he has done even double sacrifice so that his children's sins would be forgiven and to such a man now calamity strikes today he knows that his cattle has died suddenly he comes to know after a few moments you know somebody says your children were feasting in this house and then the roof collapsed and all of them died suddenly he loses all his business all this farm everything got burned down house he loses everything everything he just loses 
And then on a day after that, he's struck with this, you know, sores all over the body, you know. I don't know what sores they were. Medically speaking, maybe it was leprosy, I don't know. Maybe it was some other kind of disease like a psoriasis, I do not know. But I just know that they were sores which would itch a lot and ooze out a lot. Whatever it was, it was very troublesome for him. It was a phase of grief for him. It was a phase of loss for him. I don't know if any of us would have to go through that kind of situation, what kind of mental state we would be in. I really do not know. I mean, there's a description about one of the disorders that people suffer from when they go through this kind of a problem. It's called post-traumatic stress disorder. I don't know, probably we would have gone through that kind of phase in which we would suffer from, you know, post-traumatic stress disorder because of so much calamities, one after another. Not just losing one child, losing everybody in the family except his wife. And the wife had been kept there for a purpose, I feel. I mean, it's not written in the Bible, but of course he had to test his faith. Probably the wife was spared. And also the enemy knew that this wife is going to be my weapon. (laughs) I really don't know. (laughs) But anyhow, the Bible doesn't talk about it. I'm just making fun of it. But yeah. So then he has this sore and it's itching so bad. And that moment this wife, instead of telling him, you know, have faith in God. It's okay. God can take care. God will do the best for us. She comes and says, what kind of man are you? You still believe in God who has done all these things to us? Why don't you just curse God and die? That's what, you know, she tells him. And then this man, Job says, you know, shut up wife. You know, he uses the right, you know, command on the wife that moment. Shut up wife. What kind of woman are you? Shall we take just the good things from God and not take the bad things that he, you know, allows in our life? Naked I came, naked I go, praise be to the name of the Lord. In other words, he was saying, even if I die, I'm not going to curse my God. I am going to praise him. Even if sickness is happening in my life, even if I have to suffer with these kind of sores, I know the God that I'm serving and I am going to praise him no matter what. Amazing, amazing faith. Now we will go into the life of the New Testament. Somebody may say, okay, those were just the Old Testament people, you know. Maybe their life was different and that's how, you know, they were able to put faith so much in their lives. But what about people like Paul? If you see the life of Paul, the amount of beating that he got, the amount of slap that he endured, the amount of jail that he had to go through and then finally get beheaded by Nero is not a joke. Paul who was previously a persecutor of the believers, one day has an encounter with God, even as he goes onto the road of Damascus. His mission on the road to Damascus 
was to kill the believers to kill the people who were preaching the gospel but on the way he's dazzled by a light falls down and then hears this voice telling him you know why are you persecuting me and then paul says who are you lord and jesus says i am jesus whom you are persecuting since that day onwards his life was never going to be the same again the man who was persecuting the people who were preaching about jesus turns his life to jesus and becomes a man of god he was blinded by that dazzling light and then he goes to a person called anas right who in his house he goes anas is scared because anania or anas anas an what was his name anania right and then uh, he is scared even to talk to paul now god tells anania hey you know you're going to pray for him and he has to get healed ananias is really really scared because he knows of paul as, as somebody who kills the believers not as somebody you know who will come to believers for prayer now how did ananias know for sure that this is god telling him and nobody else amazing the people in the bible just knew exactly what god was telling them and who was telling them they were never confused about maybe this is my own voice maybe this is the enemy of the soul talking to me etc etc anything could have happened but anna ananias chose to believe and then he then prays for paul and exactly as god told him paul had been blinded and then prays for paul he gets healed and then a few years he spends there and gets trained for the work of god and then finally he goes then the missionary journeys we know and what all paul has done we know the maximum new testament chapters are written by paul and this was the same man who in the end in the jail was persecuted and was beheaded by nero what kind of faith caused him to do this no man will die for a cause if that cause he doesn't think it is something to be worth dying for so much of faith he knows that he is going to be with the king of kings in the final chapter he writes i have finished my race i fought a good fight and now i'm going to stand with my god who's the rewarder amazing then we go to the life of peter and if you see the life of peter coward as he was denied jesus thrice but when realization came and when the power of the holy spirit worked in him and through him 
Peter's life was marvelously changed by which the same Peter who was afraid to walk on the waters who was afraid to even you know accept Christ and say this is my leader when persecution happened this is the same Peter who had grown so much in his faith that in the end he said do not hang me on the cross like my savior but hang me upside down i do not deserve to hang on the cross like my savior amazing faith most of the apostles were martyred except john you know what why did they have to give their lives for a cause if they didn't think it was worthy enough to have faith so um some of the things i would like to probably i'm approaching the end of my uh my sharing today how do we remain in faith and grow in faith you know probably is the question i would like to put forward so the first thing is practically speaking how do we remain in faith and how do we grow in faith so the first and the foremost thing is by meditating on his word and spending time with god if we do not inculcate in us this discipline to meditate on the word of god day and night and spend time with him believe me we have a high chance of losing our faith what will help us to remain in consistency in our relationship and faith in god is spending time with him if we do not sharpen our time spent with god we are going to be blunt and very prone to any kind of temptation that comes and there's a high chance we may we may start distrusting god second by putting into practice faith whenever we are given the opportunity this is what i call as lifting up the shield of faith you know we have been given the armor of god and one of the components of the armor of god is to lift up the shield of faith now the enemy comes to us with fiery darts inside our mind just like this woman came to job and try to put thoughts in his mind that what he was trusting in in was nothing but what job did was he lifted up the shield of faith and he said i don't care what you say but i know the god whom i believe in but i know the god whom i believe in naked i came naked i go blessed be the name of the lord so lifting of the shield of faith would be you are going through tough times you are going through bad times the enemy of the soul comes to you in your mind and says how can a good god allow you to 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 you know 
go through this kind of suffering reply using the word of god which is the sword of the spirit and lift up the shield of faith reply saying i know my god is good i know i don't understand my situation right now but overall i know my god is good and he will not allow anything to happen in my life unless there's a bigger purpose behind it so thank you lord for this suffering thank you lord for this sickness thank you lord for whatever i'm going through right now because i know you are still in control when we say that we are actually lifting up the shield of faith and using the sword of the spirit which is the word of god to fight against the enemy and the enemy will run away for a season to come back again and attack us you know in our minds so so long as we choose to believe and say and not curse god and not doubt his goodness the enemy cannot have hold on us the moment we say oh my goodness yeah what i'm thinking is really true how can a good god allow this thing to happen in my life that means god is not good god i trusted you so much how can you allow this thing to happen in my life maybe you are not good to me maybe you are bad to me maybe i have done some bad thing in my life because of which you are doing this to me etc etc and then the whole thing of mourning and going through that kind of a miserable phase happens again so we grow in our faith when we learn to thank god in everything for this is the will of god in christ jesus concerning us that's why paul says rejoice evermore pray without ceasing in everything give thanks for this is the will of god in christ jesus concerning you uh, uh when i was small um, i would go through these phases in which if something bad happened i used to tell god god how could you allow this to happen how can that person speak like this to me i just feel like slapping that person why don't you do something to him you know just do something by which he will realize that this person is doing bad to me <laughs> later on i realized that that is wrong that's not the way to approach things the word of god says somebody slaps you on one cheek give the other cheek also the word of god says if somebody takes away your coat give your cloak also very hard to do but with god's strength of course we will be able to do it at the opportune time yeah but uh, yeah i i used to do like that and then i used to go through this phase in which i would so feel so miserable you know that thought would keep coming to my mind how can this person do to me how can god allow like this you know now i realized that was the enemy who was doing this and i was failing to lift up the shield of faith later on you know even as i started growing in the lord i realized you know this is not working you know how can i be miserable like this so then this word used to keep ringing in my you know ears and mind 
in everything give thanks for this is the will of god in christ jesus concerning you so whenever then i made up my mind after that after a particular point of time i made up my mind and i said from now onwards even if bad things happen in my life only thing i'm going to tell the lord is thank you i believe you have allowed for a purpose and i know that you're going to take care then i started practicing that in my life saying in everything give thanks for this is the will of god in christ jesus i went through real bad times after that also but moment i went through bad times when i started saying thank you lord thank you for allowing this bad thing to happen in my life it's meant for good and you're going to turn it for my good i believe it there was an enormous sense of peace that i received in my heart which passes all understanding as though god was approving and saying that is how i want you to react my dear child not by cribbing not by fretting not by complaining but just believe and trust and rest assured that i am in control and so it really gave me a very very big perspective that that is how god wants us actually to react not fret not say you know how can you god it is not wrong to pour out our emotions to god it is not wrong to cry to god and say god i'm going through such a bad phase i don't know what to do god and cry but it would not be good on our part to demonstrate a lack of faith there's a difference between demonstrating a lack of faith and pouring our emotions to god of course when it's paining i cannot say i'm so happy i like jumping i want to dance i can't say that if it's hurting it's hurting yes i need to be honest before god but at the same time i need to speak out my faith and say god it's paining so badly why did he have to do this to me why he he or she have to do this to me maybe tears will come out at that moment but when we say in that moment god i do not know why this is happening i'm crying right now but if you have allowed it to happen it must be for some good purpose which i don't understand and i thank you lord for this that would be the appropriate response of lifting up the shield of faith that moment the enemy enemy knows we are vulnerable the enemy will come to us and say hey 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 how can god do this to you speak out against god but when we choose not to speak against god but to thank him instead even though if we are crying god is really pleased with that that we are trusting him no matter what and that is faith that is what god wants us to do now on the other hand it could be what i mean by saying complaining is uh pouring out emotion and then blaming god and saying god you only did this i am your child can't you see what is happening can't you take care of things and that is something which hurts god 
And that's the moment we are not using the shield of faith, but we are giving in to the, to the you know, darts of the enemy to attack us in our spiritual life and bring us, bring us to become separate from God. So I think this difference is very, very important for us to understand about being honest, about our emotions, yet maintaining our faith by not blaming God, but thanking Him for every situation. Now the third thing is, by walking in the Spirit, the, the Word of God time and again keeps saying, you know, walk in the Spirit and do not fulfill the lusts of your flesh. One of the ways which personally for me I have found uh, helps us to walk in faith, walk in spirit, is by fasting and praying. Because when we fast and pray more, we are denying our flesh and saying yes to the spirit. So it's an opportunity for God to, you know, transform us more into his likeness because moments of fasting and praying we spend more time with God we become more receptive to what he has to say otherwise you know the flesh just takes hold of us and does not allow us to really perceive what the spirit is saying Fourth thing is, we have to make up our mind to believe no matter what. Once we have made up our mind, that's why I was saying some time back, one kind of stubbornness is allowed in the kingdom of God. And that stubbornness is to believe no matter what. You know, just being stubborn in believing no matter what. And once we have made up our mind, the enemy may try to shake us. Mm -hmm. Because we have made up our mind to thank God, no matter what. We have made up our mind to just believe in Him, even if things are going bad in our life, knowing that He is in charge, He is in control, and He sees the bigger picture. A few things I would like to, like, Um, share with you from my own life some personal stories which I have. Of course, I'm not so uh, great in faith like the apostles and, you know, Abraham and all the people in the Bible that I mentioned. I'm still growing. But some of the things that God took me through, I would like to mention. One is about me coming to CMC. Uh, I still remember at the end of 2010, God, uh, it was a phase in which there were many options which opened before me. Uh, I had applied to my government if I can work as a doctor there. I had applied to CMC if I can come and work here for some experience for some time. Then I was working in a private hospital also in my place that time. Then all of a sudden all doors opened. You know, 
the government doors opened i gave the spsc exam that time i qualified for the government uh, government uh, job then i wrote to cmc email cmc also said come and work for some time then this uh, whatever place i was working in they also hacked up the salary so as i was contemplating what i should do should i stay back in my hometown my home uh, my home is a beautiful place uh, for those of us who don't know where i come from i'm from sikkim it's a beautiful place the temperature is not like here you know going up to 47 my place the maximum temperature that we face even in summers is about max is 30 and the winter temperatures it sometimes goes to minus 1 minus 2 so i i come from a place which is naturally air conditioned and i get to have the food of my choice there and of course i get to be with the people of my choice there then cmc was a totally new place for me in the sense i have never been to cmc before and i was contemplating you know uh what should i do and i as i was praying god put it in my heart this verse which i shared with you about abraham today when god said pack up your bags you know leave everything that you have and go to the place that i want you to go to initially i thought okay why is this verse you know just bounding in my heart like this but the moment i sit to pray this verse just keeps coming and that was a time wherein i said okay fine maybe i'm not hearing clearly i want to fast and pray for a few days so i fasted and prayed a few days also to receive clear understanding this verse became more pronounced <laughs> when i was fasting and praying then i knew in my heart that okay god wants me to go to cmc because if i took a job back home my job security was good it's home food etc home weather the salary i would receive that time would be about 70000 or 80000 per month it was a huge tempting salary the salary that i would receive when i come to cmc was maybe about 13000 one 3 uh it was a hard choice but god was telling go i didn't know what i would be doing in cmc i didn't know how and where i would be working etc my mom who's sitting here is a witness to it she was quite apprehensive to let me go and uh, even my brother even my uh, uncle everybody said you are getting a good jo- government job why didn't you stay back you know you can always do your pg later and you know through the government you can go and stuff like that they were saying I was like no in my heart I knew that God wanted me to go so finally my mom also agreed and all my family people also agreed and I came down to CMC and it was not an easy life in CMC during those initial years times were very tough and I didn't know what I was going to do about my PG that time and to get into CMC was like next to impossible when i came from uh, another college 
I mean, unless, unless I'm the best of the best, which I was not. And I'm glad I was not because God couldn't do a miracle in my life if I was the best of the best. So I'm so glad, you know, I was not the best of the best. So then I wrote my entrance in 2012. I didn't qualify. I, I mean, I qualified, but I didn't get in the interview. Now, 2013, I gave my other shot. And then I thought, and, and what I wanted was uh, general medicine. And that's the toughest to get in CMC. And then I was thinking, God, have I made a mistake of staying back here? Should I go to some other place? Should I go abroad? No, my mom was telling, why don't you go to US? You try there. But somehow when I was praying, I was not getting the peace to go to U.S. Somehow it was like God was giving me peace staying in CMC. The reasons of which I understand now, later, I'll tell you. So then, uh, yeah, I wrote my entrance 2013 and then the results didn't come. A lot of court case was happening about the need thing and, you know, the results got postponed, postponed, postponed. Came up to May 2013. Still results are not out. So I didn't know what to do. So I restarted my job here in the medical ICU. And two weeks before the entrance, before the results were announced, I saw a dream. I, I should tell you prior to that, Prior to that, the struggle, you know, after the writing the entrance was, you know, when is the result going to come? What will I do if I don't get in this time? Should I quit my job and go somewhere and study? Or what should I do? Etc. 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 So many thoughts were coming. That every time I was praying, I would go to my friend's room and pray. There would be this verse which would be hanging on her door. And it would say, with God, with men this is impossible, but with God nothing is impossible. And that was exactly what I was facing. With man this is impossible for me to get into MD General Medicine and CMC. But with God this is possible. So time and again God was giving me that promise that it is possible in Him. It is possible in Him. It is possible in Him. But I had my doubts. Human as I am. Uh, and Two weeks before the, uh, yeah, this verse would speak to me when I went to somebody else's house also. There would be this verse which is just hanging there. Every time I would have my doubts and I would be praying, somewhere or the other this verse would just pop out from somewhere. Either somebody would text me this verse or it would be hanging in somebody's room. With God, nothing shall be impossible. And the other verse which God used to speak to me was splitting the Red Sea. If God could split the Red Sea, He can split my Red Sea also. So, two weeks before my results were declared, I saw a dream. And in the, this dream was very, very vivid. Uh, I, it was as though it was real. I saw that I was standing outside the Dodd Library and that notice board which is there where usually the results would be hung. And I saw that the results were out. I saw my name on the list and a couple of other people whose names on the list. And there was a voice which, which spoke from behind me. It was, 
I could recognize that it was a loud male voice who said, your name is second on the list. That's it. And then I woke up with a startle. For a few seconds, I, I, I had to figure out where I was because I thought I was outside the library. And I thought it was real. Then I woke up with a startle and I saw, okay, it's still dark. I saw 2.30 a.m. in the morning. And I thought, oh my goodness, this was a dream. I thought I was outside the library. And I was having palpitations, you know, because that dream was so, so real. Then I just got up and sat and I said, God, I don't know what I'm seeing. But if this is not from you, just take it away. If this is from you, help me the grace to understand and thank you for what, what you want to do. Amen. Then the next, I, I just kept the dream aside. I didn't tell anybody about the dream. The next night, again I saw this dream. Exactly the same time, 2.30 a.m. in the morning, I see myself standing outside Dodd Library, very vivid, very clear. I see the name, exactly the same dream got repeated. And then this voice comes to me behind me and says, your name is second on the list. And then I wake up with a startle again. Then I was like, what is happening? I saw the time, 2.30 a.m. in the morning. It's like, okay, there is something. Then I used to stay with one of my friends. She's also a believer. And I told her, hey, I saw this kind of dream. I don't know what it really means. Maybe the results are going to come. I don't know. Or maybe I'm thinking too much about the results. I don't know. Then she showed me a verse from the Bible in Genesis where it says about, and God repeated the dream. I think it's Genesis 42 or 49 somewhere. which says, God repeated the dream unto the Pharaoh twice. To confirm it definitely that it is going to happen and it is from the Lord. I just contemplated all these things in my heart and I was like, God, I don't want to be overconfident of things. If this is from you, then thank you for what you are going to do. If this is not, then take away, you know, everything from my heart. Exactly two weeks from that time, the results came. It happened exactly as I saw in the dream. And then here I am, you know, now I've finished my course. i finished my bond period also. I'm finishing my bond period now. So looking back now, God's purposes are amazing. Had I stayed back in my hometown, I, I don't know. I mean, what would have happened? I really don't know, but... Now I know, walking by faith. You just trust God, walk by faith. In His time, He will keep His promises and He will do what is necessary to be done in our lives. I would like to uh, put a thought before you, okay? So, uh, faith is not about winning a battle. It's about remaining consistent in believing on the word of God even if we don't see the results immediately, even if it takes a lifetime. And that's exactly what I wanted to say from that verse. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 13 which says, These people 
walked in faith they did not even see the things which happened because of their walk in faith in their lifetime but they chose to remain in faith that is the key i believe to our relationship with god our relationship with god should not be because of the results that he gives our relationship with god and our faith in god should be because of who he is and what he has done for us we may receive answers to our prayers in this lifetime some of them we may receive in this lifetime some of them we may not receive in this lifetime but that doesn't change who our god is and that's the reason why fanny crosby chose to believe in god even if she did not have an eyesight have eyesight even if she didn't get healed of the eyesight she chose to believe in god god may do healings god may do miracles but what if he doesn't heal what if he doesn't do a miracle for you does that change that he is god that's my question to you all of us are willing to believe god if he does a miracle for us but what if he chooses to take our loved one away from us are we still willing to believe but what if he chooses and says for my purpose for my glory let this person have a cancer if god allows are we still willing to believe and that's the test of our faith in god and no matter what happens i will still choose to believe whether god does a miracle for me or not i will still choose to believe and in his mercy if he does a miracle amazing wow but sometimes he may not have that purpose some people die without having a miracle but that doesn't mean that god is bad that doesn't mean that god is not god he knows what he is doing he knows what he is allowing and he is god so but without faith it is impossible to please him for whoever comes to god must believe that god exists and that he rewards those who diligently